119. Psalm 119. And I'll warn you ahead of time, this is going to be a little different sermon, but it's a point that we have made often today, often that I've made often in this pulpit, is do you want to understand your Bible? How many say, amen, preacher, I want to understand my Bible. Do you have a book that will help me understand my Bible? Well, yes, I do. Right here. You say, but I, I want to understand the Bible. Why do you tell me to read the part I don't understand? Well, because the Bible explains itself. Is The Bible is its own best commentary. You can't improve, and that's... One of the things that I want to do today, I want you to turn with me to Psalm 119, the last verse, Psalm 119. How many of you were here, this would have been about uh, five or six years ago, we went through Psalm 119, verse by verse. It took us almost eight months on Thursday night to work our way through 176 verses of Psalm 119. Now, uh, obviously, we don't have eight months this morning, and we're not going to try to repeat that. If if you really desire us to get all that, I actually believe it is posted on the website, and you can uh, download those or listen to them on, on our church website. But verse 176 is the summary is the last word in Psalm 119, 176 verses, each one describing the effect, the working, the belief, something about the words of God. Now, I believe Psalm 119 is David's personal diary of his life. I'm not being dogmatic about that. We don't know. There's no inscription in this psalm. But it does appear, and there are just many, many references in this psalm, and it it follows the life of David. Uh, How many times, and, and let's just think and be honest this morning, Have you experienced that seesaw relationship with God? One step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, one step back, and it is frustrating. And you wish things could be better. But let me tell you, we do not live in fantasy land. Just as David was, so are we living, breathing human beings. And and being that we are created in the image of God, marred by the choice of Adam, and in turn by each of our own choices, we struggle to serve God. Serving God does not come naturally. And so here we have David. The Bible tells us that he is the man after God's own heart. 
And he, we believe, is the writer of this psalm. And it really doesn't matter who wrote it, but there are so many things about David's life we can see in here. And, and we're going through the life of David right now in our Sunday school time. And as Jason so uh, diligently and, and brought out so well that uh, David did not allow the difficult times to make him bitter and to keep him from serving God, that he just continued serving God. Uh, next week is the last chapter in the life of David. And even uh, just in, in David's death, there's a lot of darkness that came in there as he provoked uh, God in numbering Israel and all of these things. And here we have him finishing this psalm. And I want you to look at this verse. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Let me read that again. 100, Psalm 119, verse 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. How many of you, as we read that verse, go, huh? What, what, what is he saying there? Uh, it really is a, a melancholy note, if we would, at the end of this psalm that talks about the Word of God. And, and if we're not careful, we'll understand this in a way that the psalmist never meant this verse to be understood. How many of you remember what it took to finally bring you to a point to get saved? When you finally woke up and understood your sinfulness, God's holiness, and the fact that He loved you in spite of all that. How many of you remember that day? And you prayed and you surrendered and God saved your soul. Say amen to that. But see, God never intended. I mean, I've heard some preachers preach about getting saved. And I'm sitting there in the pew and I'm going, boy, I wish I could lose my salvation just so I could get it again to, to experience everything he's preaching about. And it dawned on me that, wait a minute, that's not the kind of preaching God wants us to do. He never wants us to lose that joy, that surrender that happened on the day that we got saved. Because how you get saved is how you live for Christ. Amen? Amen? Oh, me? That's what David is summing up here. He says, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. He says, I'm a dumb little sheep. I just wander out of the way. It's, it's normal. It's natural to me. And, and I can't, I can't get it stopped. Even David in the last years of his life did something that the Bible very clearly said, you're not to number Israel unless you take a special offering and you're not to number Israel 
just to see how many soldiers you are, how strong you are number-wise, so you can trust in your strength. The only reason they were to ever number Israel is so they could give God glory for His goodness. David missed it. Even old Joab. You know how wrong Joab was about so much? And he looks at the king and he says, King, why, why do you have to do that? And it says the king's words prevailed against him. And Joab went out and did what he was told to do. And God judged Israel. And David says, even in my best state, he said, I'm like a little sheep that just wanders out of the way. This is David's summary of his life. By the way, how many of you would say, Preacher, I'm trying to serve God, but the closer I get to God, the more bad things I see about me. Uh, Could I challenge you today? That's the way it ought to be. Because there's nothing in you that God can use. That's why when you got saved, it's called being born again. Amen? It's because there's nothing in the old life that's worth saving. Unfortunately, that old nature doesn't get eradicated when we get saved. If it did, God would have to take us to heaven to be with Him. Instead, He's got something better in His plan. His plan is always best. It's to serve Him. But the more I try to serve Him, the more trouble I make, the more sins I do. But you know, we can look at those things and wrap ourselves up in self-pity and despair and stop serving God. And that's not what David ever intended. Because if you ever get the idea that somehow you have achieved something for God, that somehow something good in your life is there because of you, that is the sin of pride, which is the greatest sin in all the Scriptures. It was the sin that took Lucifer, son of the morning, and turned him into the devil. Let me tell you something, my friend. That's bad company to keep. And pride... It's worse than one of those carnival games. And I don't recommend going to carnivals, but uh, I've just seen those things where it's got the little head that pops up, and if you can hit the head, uh, you win a prize. Now, you need to know that the game is fixed so that you can't do it. You you just lose, and that's the way life is. You think you're going to... Stamp out this problem. You're going to clean up this thing in your life. You're, you're going to start being nice to people for a change. Ha! You know, the worst thing you can do when you be nice, the word is feignedly. That means you're pretending to be nice when you really don't feel nice inside. Do you know how great a sin that is? Because the person you're pretending to be nice to is not stupid, my friend. They can see right through you. How many of you are depressed right now? It's going to get worse. No. This is David's summary. 
And if you ever get past this and stop thinking of yourself as a little lost sheep that's gone astray, God will stop working in your life. Don't be discouraged. But you've got to stop thinking about you. It's not about you. That whole thing with Michael and David, she was thinking about what others thought about David. You know what happens when you think about what others think about what others think? Yeah. Are you confused yet? Good, because it's where you ought to be. Because you have no idea what's going on behind those eyes that are staring at you. I mean, I love little children. I love babies. You know, the thing I love about babies the most is you can look down in there, and and this is just something, I don't know why it works this way, but normally, even just a few-month-old baby, I'll look at, and they'll start going, and talking to me. I love that. You know why? Because you can make them say anything you want them to say, and they can't talk back and correct you. Amen? I mean, you can just have so much fun with a little baby talk. But that doesn't work when you're 45. Uh, By the way, it doesn't work when you're five. Every once in a while, I'd tease one of my kids and say, now, isn't Daddy the smartest man in the whole world? And go, no. (laughs) You know why? Because even a little child knows that's not true. We've got to understand something about ourselves. David had it pinned here perfectly. 176 verses on the Word of God. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. But then the next phrase could really lead you into error if you don't keep it in context and keep it right. Seek thy servant. You know, this would really play into the hands of somebody who believes you can lose your salvation. Oh God, I'm I'm just lost, and if you don't seek me, I'm I'm not going to make it to heaven. That's not what the psalmist is saying. And we're going to go to the commentary on Psalm 119, one of them. There are many in the Scriptures, and I've just picked one out. In a few moments, we're going to go there. This Being a Christian is not a passive thing. I don't just stand here and go, Okay, God, if you and your mercy want to save me, save me. What kind of faith is that? I'll tell you what kind of faith it is. It's the faith of the Calvinist. And I don't know why, but in theological service circles, uh, the Calvinists are all supposed to be the smart people. Now, if you think that you just stand there and God will save you whether you want Him to or not, I, I got a word for that. It's called stupid. It's not biblical. Don't give me this that you're so smart. I had a preacher once say, listen, I'm, I'm so smart that uh, I can answer questions you aren't even smart enough to ask. I said, wow. I'm impressed. Except you be converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of God. I'll be stupid. I'll be ignorant as far as this world is concerned. 
because I want him to seek his servant. We'll explain that more fully when we get to the commentary, my friend. It's not some hopeless thing. But every good thing in your life does not originate in you. It originates in God. And that's why the psalmist says, Seek thy servant. Now let's look at that last phrase there. And we we need to move here or I'll be here till long past. We're supposed to leave for Oklahoma. He says, For I do not forget thy commandments. For I do not forget thy commandments. And when I read that, I'm just going, Huh? What, what, what do you mean? I don't forget thy commandments. And you need to understand something. How many of you have ever done something and said, Oh, man, I forgot. I, I just forgot. How many of you have ever just forgotten something? And, and you just sit there and go, Why did I do that? I should have known better. I I just wasn't thinking. You know what David's doing here? He's saying, listen, I'm like a lost sheep that's gone astray. I'm just dumb. I wandered out of the way. But how many of you, once you did something like that, had this little finger tip you on the shoulder and say, the Bible says, or bring that verse to mind. You see, that's the Holy Spirit of God. And even though I forgot His commandment and went astray like a lost sheep, the Holy Spirit of God is still bringing me back. And bringing me back. See, the just man falleth how many times? Seven times and rises yet again, but the wicked fall into perdition. You want to know the difference between the Christian and the sinner? The Christian gets up. The Christian goes back to Jesus. The sinner gives up. Well, let me tell you, there are some resilient sinners out there. I have no comprehension other than how how Mick Jagger is still alive. All the wicked things that guy has done. I mean, you can tell though, uh, I, I didn't originate this, someone else said, the ugliest man in rock and roll. Uh, I, I tend to believe that. So why... Hey, let me tell you something. Don't worry about the sinners. There's some of them out there that are going to live very long and prosperous, quote-unquote, lives. But lives and lies. But they're going to face God one day. When I face God, I want to be able to say, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant. For I do not forget thy commandments. Amen. Now, I want us to go to the commentary and try to flesh this verse out a little bit. Let's go to the book of Romans. 
the book of Romans. And we could go to many other passages. I, I want you to understand that, and we will try to bring in a few verses, but I want us to primarily uh, spend our time this morning, book of Romans. I want to read verse 23 through 31 of the book of Romans, chapter 8. And uh, I want you to think about the verse that we just walked through. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. I want you to think about that as you listen and read along with me uh, silently at your seats. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have... The first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what, doth, for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them who are... Uh, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to become, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them also, them he also called. And to whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, you know, that passage that I just read, people love to quote certain parts of it. But they don't often keep it in its entire context. How, how many times? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, I talked to a man years ago. Uh, he is a recipient of the Congressional Medal of Honor. He was uh, in World War II. He's sitting in an airport, Dallas, Texas. I happened to be walking through, and he had a table in there with his uh, uh, books on there. And I looked at him, and I said, wow. I said, can I at least shake your hand? And he was just friendly and, and congenial as could be, and shook my hand, and we talked for about five minutes. I said, I'd, I'd like to buy one of your books for my son. But I, I need to know, is it full of profanity and cursing? Because I, I can't, I'm not going to give a book like that to my son. And he looked at me and he said, listen, sir. He said, I've kept all of that out of this book. Because I, I believe you ought to live for God. I went, Wow. He said, let me tell you a story. He said, I was in one of the first little rowboats that rowed across the Rhine River. And he said, we were rowing. He said, and everybody in my boat was going, dear God, let us get to the other side. And we were shooting at the Germans. And he said, some of them were coming at us in a little boat, shooting and trying to keep us from crossing that river. And he said, I heard some of them praying. 
Dear God, get me, keep me safe and let me get across this river. You know, there is nobody when they're facing death doesn't think about God. But here's the sad part of the story. Nobody in his story was saved. But they were all praying to God. You see, the question is not whether God's on your side or on their side. God is only on one side. And that's His. And you would do best to make sure that you're on His side. Amen? You see, this passage here Ends with, it doesn't end, but I mean, it, it goes on to this victory speech uh, about even death does not hinder the servants of God. There is absolutely nothing life, power, height, death that can separate us from the love of God. I mean, it's one of the great passages of the Bible, and I, I wish I had time to preach on that, but we want to we wanna explain that first verse, I have gone astray like a lost sheep, seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. Look with me in verse 23. And again, we're not going to be able to cover everything here, but I want you to understand something. Here's what the psalmist was saying, exactly what Paul has echoed here, that we have the first fruits of the Spirit, but we're still groaning within ourselves, waiting, verse 23, for the adoption to wit the redemption of the body. I'm still waiting to go to heaven. You know, one thing I found out as you age, there's no such thing as aging gracefully. Your body's just not going to let you do it. Uh, Aging painfully? Yes. Now, don't age dishonestly. How are you doing today? Uh, Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Everything is just... And and here's the other extreme. How are you doing today? Well, you have three or four hours. Let me explain it to you. Now, don't fall into either extreme. David said it this way. He said, I'm like a lost sheep. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. You know what? That really says it all, doesn't it? But how many of you are groaning, waiting for the redemption of this body to be on the other side? To be able to lay aside temptation and infirmity, sickness, to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and find out that it's only a shadow. Because death itself has been removed by the work of our Savior. Amen. It says, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. You know, hope is one of the most wonderful things that God has given us. He said, if I showed you everything, there'd be nothing left to hope for. 
You know, that's one of the problems. We don't have time to investigate this. It's one of the great problems with our society today. By the time the normal teenager reaches 18 or 19 years old, they've already experienced everything life has to offer. There's nothing left to hope for. You know what? One of the neat things I I love about marriages is Nita and Jason have some things to hope for. They haven't sold it all on the altar of trying to gratify self. And they're still hoping. And, you know, hope is a wonderful thing. Expecting what God can do in our lives and through us. Hope will keep you moving when nothing else will. Uh, read, read Romans chapter 6. It's the anchor of our soul. Hoping that we will join Jesus on the right side of eternity. But it's not here yet. And you know what I'm faced with here? Got a letter. New York State Department of Taxation. Open door Bible Baptist Church. I'm sitting there going, oh, no. What did I forget now? What did, what happened? Oh, please, Lord, give me patience. And I open it up and it says, you can now file your tax returns electronically. I'm sitting there going, oh! Why do we get so nervous about stuff? Because we're trusting in ourselves and not in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord. You see, He's given me hope. But look at, look at this next verse. Verse 26, likewise the Spirit helpeth, also helpeth our infirmities. You see, we have a mentality today that has been propagated by people who call themselves preachers, by people who hold up a Bible and say, I believe God's Word, that God understands that we're human and He chooses to look over our sin. Now, there's nothing... It is a greater lie than that right there. God knows everything about you. But He doesn't overlook one sin. You see, that's where my hope lies. God never excuses sin. Not one. I've gone astray. He understands my infirmities. If we read on, it says, I don't even know how to pray as I ought to pray. And please be careful. Sometimes we quote our Lord and Savior, Thy will be done as a cop-out because we're not going to spend enough time to get into God's Word and get along with God to discern what He wants to be done in the situation. That's what I mean about this passiveness. Where we just sit there and go, okay, well, God, whatever you want to do. Hey, that's what Eli said when God judged him. Don't, don't be keeping company with Eli. Let's keep company with David. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He said, 
Paul on the road to Saul on the road to Damascus, who became the apostle Paul. What did he say? First question was, "Who art thou, Lord?" Second one is, "Lord, what wilt thou have me do?" You know, he helps our infirmities, but he never excuses them. That's why David said, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. I'm just never going to get past that sin nature, but I'm not going to despair. You see, I understand. And that's what Paul is telling us here. He's going to help us pray as we ought to. And it won't have to be. Lord, whatever you will, if you'll spend some time alone with God, He'll he'll tell you what to pray for and what not to pray for. And it won't be some mysterious thing. I heard a voice. Heard a guy talking. He said, I read that verse where it says, pray in thy closet. And he said, so I went in and shut myself in the dark. And he said, I saw the light. Well, I don't know what he saw. Maybe a book fell on his head. You ever had that happen in the dark? And and you'll see flashes of light just because of the impact. Um, That's not what the Bible's talking about, my friend. God wants to give you real information that will direct you. Each each day of your life, His Spirit will make intercession for you, for us, with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know something? It says we're saved by hope. That means we've got to wait. But while we're waiting, God has given us things to do. How many of you have ever ignored doing the little things so you could be ready to do the big thing and the big thing never got there? I'll tell you what, every one of us have been there. And if you'll just turn around and look, it was the little things that determined the big things, not the other way around. And so if you'll do those little things... Ask God to encourage you about reading this book every day. That's what the Bible reading calendars are for. Please, please take advantage of those. I'm not going to harp on them every Sunday this year. Uh, just every other Sunday. No. Uh, you want a victory in your life? Ask God to help you be more faithful in your Bible reading. He'll answer that prayer. How many of you would like the privilege of leading another soul to God during this year sometime? Well, do you think if you started praying about that? By the way, if you don't get in the Word, you'll have nothing to give the people when you have an opportunity to witness. So that's why the little thing of Bible reading is so important. And being in church, you see... I ought not be discouraged by David's statement that I am like a, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. We need to embrace who and what we are as human beings and then grab a hold of the hope that God has given us and be a little better than a lost sheep. Amen? But if you ever get thinking that you're better than a lost sheep, you've just let go of the hope that God has for you. And you're going to be in trouble. That next phrase, seek thy servant. 
You see, I want you to understand something here. It says, verse 26, We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, I want to tell you, that's, that's a fairly difficult passage in and of itself. But if we'll take that last verse of Psalm 119 and that second phrase, Seek thy servant, I, I believe that's what David's talking about is what's being described in these verses right here. You see, we don't have enough sense. I'm a lost sheep gone astray. To even know what to pray for. Well, guess who's praying for us? The Holy Spirit of God's making intercession. He searches the minds. You know why He searches the minds? Because He wants to just come up behind us and give us a little. You ever had somebody do that right in the tip of your ear? I mean, that, that feels like somebody's ripping it off sometimes. But the Holy Spirit will do that. To your heart, if you let him. You know why? Because he searched your mind. He doesn't like what's there. He knows what you ought to be thinking about and what you ought to do. How many times have you had the Holy Spirit come up and say, why don't you just click the off button and read your Bible? It's hard to turn off the cable box. Except in our house, because we don't have one. And there's a reason for that. You say, preacher, you just hate all the filth that's on TV. Yes, I do. I really do. But I know me. And I know my kids. I don't want them to have the opportunity to turn it on. Because there's just a lot of garbage there. We normally... Take the garbage out. How many of you have problems getting the garbage out of your house? I mean, in our house, that's Philip's job. Right now. It was Stephen's before his. And uh, and it doesn't matter who's got the garbage job. It's, uh, excuse me, the garbage cans are full. Let's get them out. But I just took them out. I, I don't care if you just took them out. They're just full again. You know, you know the reason why we have the struggle getting the garbage out of the apartment, out of your house, is because we have to struggle getting the garbage out of our souls. Would you let the Holy Spirit search your mind, search your heart? Because He already knows what the mind of Christ is, and He'll put it there if you let Him. That's what David meant by seek thy servant. It's God, I want you actively moving me in my life because if I'm left up to my own movement, it's going to be in the wrong direction. Seek thy servant. The the Spirit of God is more than willing. And, And we love verse 29, and we haven't got there yet. We we love verse 29. How many times have I heard that verse quoted out of context? And we know that all things work together for good. You know, just just a minute. There's some things that aren't included in that verse. 
If you decide to go play in traffic and get run over, that verse does not apply to you. Because you didn't go play in traffic because you love God. You know, there's some churches that they take those verses out of the Gospels and different places where it talks about handling snakes and nothing shall hurt you. And they'll get a box full of live rattlesnakes and shake it up and get them all mad and stick their hand in there. You know what? Some of them live. Some of them die. But I'll tell you this, God had nothing to do with it. God had nothing to do with that. You see, God doesn't tell you to go out and tempt fate to prove that God is with you. You know what God says? Let the Spirit search your heart. Make sure that what you're doing is what God wants you to do. And then you can know that all things work together for good. Why? What's it say here? There's two, two conditions. To them that love God. Now again, how do we understand the love of God? Most people say, I've always loved God, preacher. There's just always been that warm feeling inside when I go to church. The only sad part about that is they tell me they went to a church where the gospel never was preached. So that warm feeling can have nothing to do with God. And here is the love of God. What is it? That we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. That's the love of God. When's the last time you got excited and warm and ooshy-gooshy feeling inside when you wrote out your tithe check? Isn't that being obedient to the Word of God? When's the last time you woke up on Sunday morning and said, I get to go to church today! You know what? We don't delight in the things that God wants us to delight in. And then we get filled with drudgery and despair. And then somebody comes by and slaps us on the back. And we know that all things work together for good. Well, wait a minute. Are you loving God? Because if you didn't get there loving God, maybe God didn't ever intended you to be in that situation in the first place. That's why David said, Seek thy servant. And then we go, you see, to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And and we've covered this before, and I'm not going to do it again, but just want you to be reminded. Jesus wants to be identified as your brother. Imagine that. David said, For I do not forget thy commandments. 
He said, in spite of being like a little lost sheep, in spite of having to ask you to seek your servant, because I'm not smart enough to know how to seek you the right way. He said, I haven't forgotten my last name. He said, I haven't forgotten that you have adopted me, dear God. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to start serving you again. And you see, that's what Paul is saying here when he says, Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say? What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If you surrender to God's work in your life, there is no force in this universe that can hinder that work. You say, but I, but I make so many mistakes. Well, David said, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, not because I'm lost, not because you don't know where I am, but because I don't have the ability to understand the things that you want me to understand and know what to do. So, Lord, I understand you have to initiate, but there's some things I've got to do in my life. You say, preacher, I've messed up so many times. Oh, wait a minute. We've been there before. He says he wants to be identified as your brother. Now, if you don't want to be an embarrassment to Jesus Christ, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's go back. Number one. And let's just keep doing the things that he wants us to do. It's not big things, my friend. You want to understand more about the Bible? you got to read it. You may be sitting there. Where in the world did you get Romans chapter 8 and Psalm 119, 176? Well, it's just as thinking the sermon, thinking about the verse. I said, oh, wait a minute. I remember that passage. Yeah, and then I had to go find it. And I said, that passage talks so much about what's going on in that verse. And there are difficult things in the verse and difficult things in Romans chapter 8. But we put them together and I'll tell you what, there's nothing left to be difficult about now, is there? It's very simple. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. But I have hope because Jesus said he would save me. Seek thy servant because I don't know how to pray as I ought, but I know the Holy Spirit's making intercession to God on my behalf. I know that that he knows what the mind of the Spirit is, and I want that mind to be put in me. And we could go back to Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be also in you, which was, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, and go through that passage and we could talk about Philippians chapter 3 where Paul says that I, I'm trying to apprehend that of which I am apprehended of. He said, I'm reaching out, trying to grab a hold of something, but I'm already held by Jesus Christ. Because he's got a plan. He wants to conform me to the image of thy son. Of his son, I'm sorry. That he could be the firstborn among many brethren. And what shall we say to these things? 
God wants to do these things in your life. Get out of the way. Let him do it. Stop thinking about you and start thinking about him. Stop relying on your understanding of life and start relying on his. He can change you. You can't. One more time. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. And all God's people say. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would let those words of that verse ring in our heart and our soul during this week. And Lord, that we'd be willing to go to other passages. Lord, there's so many passages we could have used this morning to explain that verse. But I pray that we would get the things that are in your word to understand what David was talking about. And Lord, to understand that this was not a note of despair, but actually a battle cry that I'm going to serve the Lord till He comes. Lord, we ask that You would encourage us in Your Word today and help us to live for You through this week. It is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. A hymn of invitation. We won't even sing the words. Most of us know them by heart. If you need to slip out and spend a little time with the Lord, now's the time to do it. Just step out of your seat. The altar is open.